Welcome to this episode of the Connection Podcast. We are continuing our mini-series called Who We're Becoming. This is episode number two in that series featuring Joel Stockwell and Reed Stockwell. Many of you grew up with Joel, so I'm excited to share some of his insight. Uh, as many of you know, he's a great father, um, overall really good person, got a lot of good advice over time from Joel. So I think you'll enjoy some of the things that he shared. And then obviously Reed Stockwell, Bishop First Ward, returning. He's been on multiple episodes, so glad to have him back as well. We get into a variety of interesting topics, including how to raise sons, what is some of the worst advice we've gotten, and also what's important to us now in our life and how's our faith changed. I think you're going to love this episode and we're going to do it as a two-parter. So come back for the second half. Welcome to the Connection Podcast. I'm Jason Keister, the show's producer, and we have a couple of special guests with us today. One's returning for the first time in a little while. That would be Reed Stockwell. Welcome, Welcome. Reed. Also known as the, the Bishop of Springfield First Ward. We're happy to have you back. And then we have a son, Joel Stockwell. Hey Welcome, there. Joel. Thank you. Yeah, we're happy to have you on. I'm super excited to talk to you. Me um, too. And then we have Josh Crook coming back. I'm back. All right. Welcome. Thank you for thank you for being here, Josh. So this is our new mini series, the second part of our new mini series called Who We're Becoming. And the thought behind the series was really that as we get older we change and a lot of the changes we complain about, right? You know, pants don't fit the same. Uh, a few wrinkles appear, you know, there are a lot of appearance things that change. But I think there's a lot of really special things that happen in our our mind and our heart as we get older that I, I'm really coming to appreciate. And Joel, you and I have talked about that quite a bit, actually. Yeah, yeah, we're at that age where I think we're <laughs> we're noticing there's retrospects a lot more important these days. Yeah, yeah. And I think one thing that we actually were talking about just in the pre-show planning was that there's some things we didn't care about that we care a lot about now. And and there's also things that were super important and seemed like the world when we were 20 that we don't really care about much. I was wondering if you could just tell us more about for you, you know, what some of those things are. And Yeah. I mean, obviously family directs a lot of it, but I think that was the biggest change for me was marriage and children, uh, obviously uh, sounding pretty cliche or the, the canned answer, but yeah, you just, you have your responsibility and focus that, uh, and there's a level of importance that trumps anything that was directed towards myself uh, in the past. Now it's all about somebody else. It's a lot more important. And then it's our legacy also. That's our, our family that we want to keep with us forever. We want them to want to be close to us. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a whole different ballgame, a different yeah. seriousness. Uh, but um, you also only have so much control over that environment also. Yeah. And you talked to me about your kids who are getting older, teenagers, young adults, and the relationship change. What's that been like for you? Yeah. Well, it's just different to be on the other side of it. I, it, it makes takes me back to the years uh, where I was at those ages or, or benchmark ages uh, and how did I behave, you know, and so but a lot of retrospect. We, my own. we don't have time for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's another podcast. <laughs> so a, a lot of it is just trying to remember. Um, remember what it was like because 
um, ultimately that's kind of the next thing you have to address if it's if it's not a hey here's what i would do here's my suggestion that's not always enough um and then you have to kind of do the deep dive and just say here's what it was like for me which is very different than what our kids would be raised in i bet you know with technology and uh social media all the other things um it is a different world but it's um and so you have your your set beliefs values morals that you want to leave in their tool belt as they grow up but with the different world we have to kind of look back and change some things like what would it be like if i had this and this in my face um if i had a thousand dollar computer in my phone or in my back pocket all the time um yeah it's you know just a different world so it's trying to stay keyed in all the time to six different individuals not always easy that is tough i i thought about that too because i think our default a lot of the time is to well i didn't do this you know i i went out and played outside you know and and my mom locked the door behind us when we left and so why can't you guys do that and i i like that idea actually of just putting yourself in their shoes because that's what we're always told to do right is what would i do if i had all this information just flying in my face you know you can't imagine how do you deal with that, Reed? We have rocks and yeah. sticks. <laughs> so, so we'll play with a rock or a stick. Yeah. I mean, it was just different. And we saw the kids come along. We were different in the sense that we didn't. I, I think the funny thing was, is I was completely against The Simpsons. And I now <laughs> the funniest, one of the more healthier shows on TV of all the stuff that was out there. And we had basic video games, which uh, my brother was a techno nerd, and he, we had the Ataris and something like that. So we played stuff like that, but it was really limited. Everything we did was, you know, we, it was, I worked for technology, so I had some sense of what technology was going to do. It looked like it was getting out of control early. And so we just kind of modified it. The kids were such outdoor brewers though. I mean they were out all the time playing with friends doing stuff that it didn't seem like it was gonna be a problem. Other kids got locked in with earlier, but our kids were just they loved to be out doing stuff with friends. And yeah. so it was a lot of physical stuff. We didn't have to worry too much about it. it was we were more worried about who they were hanging with than what they you know, than that they were hiding in the bedroom in the corner and dark, quick, washing That's also not <laughs> wanting to, um, you know, as kids, you don't want to go to your parents and say you're bored because what's going to happen? <laughs> yeah, you got time to lean, you got time to clean. My kids have still, still been to that well quite a few times. Yeah. <laughs> well, they'll, yeah, they'll, they'll figure it out. But, uh, the, uh, yeah, it's just a different world. Boredom was something, I, I wouldn't say even the word, but uh, definitely digested differently when we were younger where boredom is what initiated climbing a tree uh, avoiding coming back to mom and dad and saying hey i need something to do yeah well using your imagination to (laughs) figure out the next thing to do rather than go back to mom and dad where they're going to give you something you know to do also Uh, an appreciation of the options i mean of of your surroundings rather than i I think what happens is the modern technology moves you into a medium a framework that you, you don't the ignore you immediately everything right. around yeah the moment yeah. more than creeps right. in your mind it's you can pick up the phone and watch videos you know horizontally for an hour or i mean we've got over band wars we've got stuff that went on in our houses yeah freakish mm-hmm. but fun yeah <laughs> what do you say yeah character 
you know, rubber band wars, character building. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it was character building. Well, I was just thinking I'm looking over at Josh and Josh and I, you know, we're, you know, you have Ray Lynn now, but yeah. you know, we're, we're raising boys. Right. And, you know, we, I think all of us, you know, gone through that experience, obviously of raising boys and a lot is being thrown. We talk about things that are being thrown out there at our youth. You know, I think a lot's being thrown out at boys that's making them question, you know, who am I? What What is the role of men in society right now? And I, I think as fathers, we play a huge role. I think, Joel, you and I were talking about a book you've been reading recently. Maybe you could tell us more about that. Yeah, so it's one that uh, we read years ago, my wife and I, together, and it is uh, How to Raise a Boy or How to Raise Boys. It was just one of those things that we had jumped into, not because of difficulties. It was when Connor was younger. So Connor's 28 now and pursuing the same field as you. And he, uh, I don't think he was having difficulties or anything. It just was one of those. Uh, he was so different. I mean, we've got four girls. He was our only boy at the time. And, uh, and so it was one of those, like, just kind of diving in. Uh, and I felt at the age, I mean, I was probably in my other twenties, like I didn't need that book. It was more of a relationship thing that Lynn and I were doing together. And, and what I got out of it was, I mean, it, it's, it's the dynamics that, um, have been created, uh, in the years that we've been walking, you know, the last 30, 40 years, but then go 60 years further back where it's a confusing world for boys growing up. Who are they supposed to be when they are 25? Are they supposed to be these brave, strong, confident guys that uh, do everything for their family? Or uh, are they supposed to also be sensitive when uh, it's time for sensitivity, um, the compassion and then splitting the roles with the, the mother? It, it, and it's not one set thing. It, it is a, just like everything else, it's you're going to have to break things down as a couple for each kid. Yeah, I'm just, I'm, while you're thinking of it, I'm just going to put you on the spot a little bit yeah. here. But, no, I like it. but you know, I, I'm just thinking, obviously, it sounds like you got some nuance out of the book in the sense that it's not just one, you know, archetype or stereotype for, for men. You know, there is a balance between the, you know, go out and play, climb a mountain, you know, go out and have rubber band wars and also learning to be sensitive, right? And and understand other people's feelings. Yeah. Um, but I was curious for you, just what kind of things you took out of that book or other things you learned about parenting a, a young man and, and how you applied it? Well, it's definitely um, the biggest thing and another cliche, but it, it is choosing the hills you're gonna die on, picking your battles, however you want to say it. Mm -hmm. um, and that is the biggest thing. It, it comes back time and time again, and it is from young boys up and the grown men that I work with in the industry I'm in. Um, and it's picking that battle. It uh, isn't always shame, but if you disagree or, or jump on something, it usually has a bigger ripple effect uh, where they may not communicate with you as much. Uh, or like our son right now, our youngest is at that age where no matter what the approach, what the tone, what the topic, it feels like a lecture to him. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so now what, what we're working on is with him, and this was something in the book also, is uh, the interpreter, which is always going to be, yeah. you know, if, if we're having that communication and I'm the lecturer, 
he might be taking it in as a lecture where it's really a teaching. So how do I get them to lose the feel that this is coming in hard, like a parent <laughs> oh, where it's really, hey, I, I want your life to be better. I haven't cracked the code, but I know the cheat. Like, just listen to me. I can walk you through this, show you the path, whatever it may be. But it's trying to pick the right topics that aren't going to turn off of where, where he just shuts down. He's not listening. He's there, but he's not digesting. Yeah. I, wow. That is tough too. How do you even do that? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not there yet. <laughs> yeah. I'm reading this book yeah. for sure. Yeah, there you go. Is it, yeah. uh, is it how to raise a boy? Yeah. Uh, Michael C. Yep. Reichert. There we go. Yeah. yeah. Hey, you're fulfilling your work. We talked about you being our fact checker guy. Yep. That's who it is. On Amazon, <laughs> there $16.99 for paperback. So. <laughs> Perfect. I'm buying it. What are your thoughts on this topic, Reed, too? I think it's an important one. Well, I think, first of all, it's one of the tougher things. I, I, I tend to take on Jordan Peterson's view of the world right now, which is Love that guy. we have to reestablish the fact that that uh, young men have one of the most important roles. If you want society to continue to be great, then young men have to know who they are, and they have to understand. And Joel's done a great job with his kids teaching them how to work hard and how to um, be responsible and and delay gratification, I think, is one of, one of the big things, which is you, you, know, you do what you have to do. And, you know, we want young men to be in the role of a protector. We want them to be, as Joel said, kind and soft and thoughtful and all those things. I mean, all those things come into play. It's hard because society is not telling them not to do that. It's telling mm-hmm. them that. You know, first of all, <laughs> you're a man and you're an idiot. I mean, just little Homer Simpson. I mean, they're perfect. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And and then all the other archetypes that go out there also. But that that you're not as necessary. And matter of fact, you're more of a problem than you are anything because of the male attitude and things of, of that nature. And we've got to change that so that young men will be. Uh, first of all, I hate what Western societies done. Men in Western society have done to the world in how they have broken up the homes and caused chaos throughout the world because of their moral degeneration. And yeah. and that has to be reversed. And the only way that can be reversed is that young men desire to be good and they have an opportunity to act correctly and become a, a vital source of good in the world. And yeah. And and if you follow where society was taken, Joel was laid down in our front room the other day, and I can remember he came in and he said, you know, if you look at you're talking, remember how you were talking about society, and he said, every society goes through the same thing, and it, it ends up in chaos. And, and I pulled out the family proclamation, and, yeah, yeah. and it just it all goes back to that. that, that there's tried and true, there's a tried and true process for success in this world, and it it it's. Sticking to the hard things, doing the difficult things, working on things that truly matter in life, and you don't deviate from that because it is proven to be successful 100% of the times. Every time we deviate, every time we go off the course and lose track, it all, like Joel said, always ends up in the collapse of a nation, of 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 a society. And so we just have to go back to that. And I just think there are so many distractions and the technology is just a distraction. Like I said, that's my industry and I love it because the technology is always advancing. It has this beautiful halo of good stuff, but this shadow of darkness that is, if you use this, you know, 
mm-hmm. where they say, no good will come from this. Well, good will come from this, but you have to use it right. And it's got a, it's got a thin line that it works and a huge dark side to it. And unfortunately, society leaps over and grabs that dark side and just pulls, pulls them that way. And unfortunately, this, these generations are so yeah. easily conditioned to accept that and, and, and go into it when it's hard. And I feel sorry. I would hate to be raised today. For me, I, I don't know. I'd be a mess, I'm sure, if I was oh, yeah. raised in today's environment, because um, I see what it does to people, and it's almost it almost appears that the freedom to choose, and that's liberty. So the freedom to choose is liber- their liberty is being taken away from them mm-hmm. due to technology and society, but with a smile. That's the thing. Well, they, they, they don't understand that that's what's happening. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's definitely it's, a type of conditioning that happens. I think. Early, early stages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what we said, that's done. Like, hey, yeah, this is with anything else that's that powerful. <clears throat> there's usually it's an adult with another adult exchanging the information and how this works mm-hmm. and how it, how it can be access utilized. These kids, uh, a lot of kids, tell their parents. You know, in middle school, it's time for a cell phone and parents that we need it and and it right. makes life easier and it really planning yeah. everything's great and we feel safer in our hearts, but. <laughs> Ultimately, the technology they have is the same thing we have, where it's either amazing information source or the worst distraction or um, vice. Yeah, vice or horrible. Well, that's what you yeah, said in one of your podcasts. You said that the goal of youth today isn't where to get information, but how to filter what's yep. what's a good point. Filter. What's well, and the filtering of? I mean, you get yeah. nonstop uh, sources coming at you. It's like, well, what is true? Yeah, you know, what, you know, what am I really supposed yeah. to believe? Is the earth flat or round? Well, I think that's actually going back to the talk about manhood and, and you know, raising young men is at, at the heart of it, just like technology or anything, it, it's something incredibly beautiful and unique. And I think we have to remind our young men that what makes them them is beautiful and it, it should be appreciated it's been used wrong a lot but you know I, I i think that helping them understand that being a boy is okay and actually there are a lot of special things about that i think also as fathers one thing we do i a book that i really like i'm re-listening to it right now called wild the heart oh, um, it talks a lot about as fathers, we have a role of letting young men know that they're men and validating that part of them. And it can be a big problem if they don't receive that validation at some point in their life. I know for me, you know, I, I just, I, you know, our, our wives will refer to, you know, what, is, what do our wives call our kids? You know, they say, sweetie, honey, whereas <laughs> as adults, as men, we call them, we say, hey, tiger, you know, or we'd say, hey, you're a beast. You know, I think that there's different roles there. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, for me as a father, I just, you know, I, I put my arms around my kids. I tell them I love them. I, I tell them that I, I know that they're, they're strong. They're a good man. You know, and I I was just curious what you guys have done to help, you know, all of you to help validate your, your boys as you're raising them. Expectations a big thing. I think you have to tell them, you know, the world's depending on you. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's important that you become a great person because first of all, there's, there appears that there's not so many out there. And number two, if you realize who you really are and what you're capable of, you will have, you'll be able to make your way in life 
and provide abundantly for a family, and family being the basis of society, requires good men not to control and dominate, but to lead the way and to be strong. And like I said, Western society, men have just become a joke, unfortunately, in the world. But if you, if you get a group, a strong core of young men who realize who they are and who they can be and have that vision, man, I'll tell you, you know, right now in today's society, they can just carve their path and make their way, mm-hmm. their head and shoulders over what the other yeah. young men of this world are. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's definitely room. That That's something we tell all the kids, and it's just not the, our boys, but yeah, right now the world is an opportunity if they can see that. And I know it's easy for us now, having been through the ups and downs over the last 20 years or whatnot, uh, <clears throat> there's tons of opportunity. Uh, Avery, that, I mean, you say it every time we send her off to school, like just jump on everything where that fear of failure, that's something that with Connor and Marisa, um, we thought about is don't worry about the failure. Failure, typically, at least for me, the learning experience, uh, as long as you're absorbing it, you learn a lot more from situations going awry. Don't walk into, don't chase those ugly negative situations. But when things go right, don't avoid it. Don't walk away. Just dive in. You're going to learn more from stuff falling apart and getting twisted than if it ran perfectly, if it worked perfectly. That's what the lesson typically is. So yeah, bad things are going to happen. Life's not about things being easy. And I think that's something, you know, I hate to keep going back to the phones, but that's how we've had numerous children, numerous <laughs> times where they've said, I know I don't want to do that because I saw that here. I've done a number of things I didn't want to do. I had no desire to jump into, but what I learned from that is huge. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's little, but either way, it's the next time I see it, it's the second time I've learned how to deal with it. Um, but it's that let's not make the same mistake twice, three times, four. Well, what I'm hearing from both of you guys is just reminding them who they are and what they can be and that you have full confidence in their ability to do that. And it will be there if, if yeah. they're struggling too. That's the, the thing too. I know, you know, at 46 that if I'm struggling with something, I have my dad and my support that still is there as an adult parent. Yeah. Uh, that's really cool. I think even just the act of being there and, and allowing them to know that that presence is available to them. Josh, what, I know your boys are younger, but you know, what do you do to help validate them now and help them, you know, realize who they are? Well, I'm about to be doing a lot more cause I just learned a whole bunch. Um, but Donovan, my oldest, he just started soccer. So he is terrified of people, hates people will not do anything that makes him scared or uncomfortable. He just immediately cries and folds up and just doesn't even do it. And soccer has like totally taught him to just run headlong in and uh, just go nuts because, because, <laughs> because that's all, that's all soccer is anyways. But he's, he's, so he's going to school now he's going to school by himself and, and uh, it's he still gets nervous with a lot of things, but he's doing a lot better. And I think, so far, I think I've done a good job. What you guys talked about validating your 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 kids. I I go to every single soccer game, even though boy, is that one of the hardest things to watch in the entire world. Oh man, because I used to play soccer in high school, and I'm like, what are you doing? Uh, he's he's six, 
Oh yeah, it's so five, it's just, five and uh, six. It's like a herd of ants. It is, <laughs> and there's only <laughs> on the ball. yeah, there's only ten kids on the field, and it's it's winter time right now, and I'm like, this is not you know, blah. but <laughs> it is it's really fun to watch him because just in the past couple weeks he's progressed, but yeah, it's just I think I think just I have a lot to do for loving. sure. He's loving it now, and I think that's the only thing that I have to teach him is that over and over and over again is that you know you might hate it right now but soon you're going to be okay with it the other thing that we're teaching both donovan and gabriel right now because we got so lucky to have a girl as our last kid is that they're 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 going to protect her and they have to be nice and they understand the concept but they still hit her over the head with lightsabers (laughs) but (laughs) they're still brothers they're still brothers they're still kids but we're starting it now early so we're hoping eventually it gets, you know, that's it gets knocked in their hands. Have, it, it is, I mean, yeah. I mean, if you have a, a bunch of boys or a bunch of girls and you have a boy versus that. If, right. you, have a, if you have a girl after boys, it's really, you know, we had a, mm-hmm. one of them, kind of, you know, we had two, Joel and his uh, young daughter, and then Lacey and then Taylor. But it's, it's, a, it's the great dynamic. And what's cool for a parent is you can see that. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, they come out of a shoe. Oh, 100%. I, I don't care what anybody said genetically or oh, whatever. Anything. All I can say is it's a girl. And yeah. I mean, she may want to keep up with the boys, mm-hmm. but she knows she's a girl. And that's yeah. that process, too. But for Don, she's uh, headed up. Uh, yeah. uh, the one thing that's cool, you mentioned sports helps kids come out of their cells. 100%. You know? And yeah. I think it's one of the advantages. It's hard for parents, I think. That's an interesting conversation we should have sometime. Talk about the value of sports and the the problem with sports, mm-hmm. you know, in the, in the sense that what, what does it teach him really? And how does a parent stop him and say, okay, now that you've learned this much about sport, that's just a game. Yeah. And, and you can't can really convert that to life. I mean, cause I've heard so, in business, I've heard so many sports uh, metaphors and stuff. And it's like, mm-hmm. stop using that. Not the same. You know, this, <laughs> this is not a horse race. Yeah. These are people. I mean, you watch these kids go through that and I think there's a huge value to it. It does so many things good for them, yeah. but there's a point where it gets to, and it's like, okay, we have to dial this back or help them understand. Mm-hmm. We just play on game. But it's a great start. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Great. Jumping point oh, yeah, for the little guys where it's yeah. a, a very easy, hey, look, this is something you're terrified of. You were certain that you didn't want to have anything to do with it. And how do you feel about it now? You know, mm-hmm. and that uh, sports is a lot easier yep. than, hey, I, you definitely said you didn't want to work in the backyard with us. Now, at a different age, that would be handcuffed Yeah. 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 Well, one of the things too, one last thing, one of the things too, we had, we, I was talking to some other parents and we were, we were realizing that we taught all of our kids all the way up until they were old enough to do soccer, that you don't take stuff from other people. You don't, you're not (laughs) me. And then we're chucking them out there and we're like, (laughs) take him. (laughs) Tackle him, and I'm like, oh man, we have to like, you know, broaden, you know, teaching, teaching, teaching. Yeah, yeah, because some of the kids were just wide eyed the first game. They were like, you want me to what? And I'm like, get him, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) yeah. So lots of fun. Let's, Josh. What did you want to talk about? I I know there are a few things we were talking about pre-show. You, Reed, you had said, um, I thought, but you said, what's the worst advice you'd ever received? And you said YOLO. And I was thinking YOLO, like you only live once, just do it, do everything you can, hundred yeah, percent. That's that's jokingly and, I said it's two way. Yeah, two ways. You, so you tell only me, live once is what, what was 
Uh, I think when my youngest son was in high school, that was, hey, dude, you know. Yeah, right. And it was like, you know, the problem with that is he's, you know, I, and I turned it around and said, yes, you only have, you only live once, so you better get it right. Mm-hmm. Because this life is, uh, is, is the greatest school you'll ever be in, the greatest opportunity, but you got to figure it out and you got to get it right. And um, the idea of, you know, that it's, you know, just blow it off. I mean, it sounded like me when I was 19 years old. I was at that <laughs> point where it was like, I'm going to be the biggest, uh, well, I'll use this word correctly. I'm going to be the biggest bachelor on the world. Oh. And I'm going to be a bachelor forever. And then my sister died, and I had to get my acting on her. That is the impetus for me doing that, which was mm. I needed to know if she was dead and gone, then she was dead and gone. And I, I was going to get on with my life. But if if there was life eternal, then I needed to change everything about this guy. Oh, right. And so, you know, I realized, you know, by the time I was twenty, that that it was that it was eternal and important, and everything mattered. And that changed. That was a radical change for me. I mean, it wasn't. I lived in the gospel, but I'd been an actor for about three years. So that was a change. So I really, mm-hmm. for me, that's a sobering thing to say. When you say YOLO, it's like, yeah, you're right. You, you're right. You, you only live once. And so. No, it's a good I, spin I think on it's, it. it's I think totally it's true, though, because I think there's that messaging out there as far as, like, if you have an impulse, something you want to yeah. do, you have that FOMO, that fear of missing out, you know? And I think for for me, it's a struggle, honestly, continuously with several things I know that are fun and enticing, but could really hurt me, you know, (laughs) semi-permanently. It has a label on it that says, no good will come from this. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, and that can be be a spiritual matter. That can be a physical one where I, I, there's certain runs on the mountain I shouldn't go down on my snowboard, you know. in the mirror look bigger than Right. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, there, there are just things out there that can hurt us. And I, I think for me, what I have to do to get out of that, because it is, I mean, I'm sure you guys go through FOMO too, is I, I have to kind of envision a world in which that never happens for me. And I'm okay with that, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Or the, after the injury, you do the, I wish I hadn't done <laughs> Yeah, yeah. 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 gone. When I skip this Saturday, I'm still <laughs> suffering from snowboarding. Well, it's a scary one, even for the kids too. That's a big one. What they're aware of missing out on is so much greater than what we grew up with. Well, all right, so you need a perception of what they think they're doing, right. what they're going to miss. You know, everybody's blown it into some fantastic thing, and it's really not. I mean, it's a yeah. There's pleasure and there's excitement and things like that. But but the co- the cost for it nowadays for some reason mm-hmm. yeah. seems uh, you know multiplied so many times from what it was when we were. I truly, if I could do something today that would kill a kid today, I mean I wouldn't back then for some reason for many reasons. But kids do it nowadays, and I mean it could prove to be the very last time to do it, and that's that's an acceleration that I've seen too. The shocking, yeah, yeah, just like. That. Have you gotten any bad advice before, Joel? You, oh, you know, plenty, I'm sure. I'm sure <laughs> anything you remember? Some of yeah. It, but, um, yeah, and as far as bad advice, I have just buckets full. Um, lots of, you know, you need to, I, I would say this doesn't sound like the typical, you know, you're sitting down with someone and they give you some heartfelt advice. I, I would say this is the advice that is kind of spat out constantly. Um, and it's the like, you need to enjoy yourself. You need to take some time, things like that. 
that's not the best for me. And it probably is for other people, but I need to stay busy and stay like mm-hmm. moving and going and going. Um, and so that's one of those things that if I do take that advice, I'm kind of not being true to myself where I need to just keep going. And, and I have that same feeling where we're talking about this life. Uh, I look at this life as a one and done kind of thing, at least as far as my time here on earth. And I think most people do now in my forties, it's, it's more of a, I have X amount of years left and my choices, decisions, um, they all need to be important and thought out and there needs to be some effort from them. I, I don't, I don't have as much time now for mistakes, for, um, poor choices or, or or less than well thought out choices. And so not always easy because it's, I'm married. And so it's a two person committee. Yeah. But, uh, we're getting better. No. And I, I think I can totally relate to that. And we're talking about being 40 and, you know, hopefully having years of experience, but I think it dictates a lot of financial choices, you know, and it can go either way, honestly, because, you know, I, I think for me, gone are the ages of just, oh, my friends like like to ride ATV. They'll just blow $20,000 on a new ATV because that's not what our family does all the time. But there are other things that, you know, being this age that I might be more inclined to, uh, inclined to lean into, you know. Our, our kids like to, you know, my, my oldest son, Levi, is getting into fishing. I'm probably going to make a pretty heavy investment in fishing because that's important <laughs> to us. Lot. That's important <laughs> to our family, you know. And that's the right way to do it. Yeah, exactly. You change your direction. You know, for us too, it's like we we made a decision to get ducks Oregon duck season tickets, which is you know it's an investment. But how we think differently now is is less the money and more how do we enjoy spending our time what builds our relationship as a family and that was one of the things that was important to us well, you know creating those moments and yeah, yeah. yeah. and so I, I love thinking about that differently um i don't know what do yeah. you think about that uh that's something we're figuring out in my family you know creating traditions and because you know ray reagan my wife we you know we're still working on melding our two because she she's a convert so we're still working on melding some of the some sure. of the stuff and her family is far away so we're still kind of figuring that out she has different ideas of how to have fun. She likes watching TV shows and eating popcorn. That's how she's. That's how she uh, creates moments with our kids, and I'm okay with that because I get to go in the garage. <laughs> <laughs> but then you know I'm in the mountain biking and stuff and camping, and so we we are uh, we're going camping in a little bit. And my parents have an RV pad and right next door. There's a cabin, and then I get to camp outside with the boys. So we all get our own little things, and we get to start a tradition. It's good. So everybody gets their own little thing. She calls it camping. It's not (laughs) camping. Yeah, not even close. She's going to listen to this too and be like, gosh, dang it, Josh, what are you you talking about? But we all compromised, so it works out. I heard that statement a long time ago. It says, oh, no, it's a matter of quality versus quantity. Mm. No, Mm. it's really quantity Mm -hmm. usually generates quality. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like, well, we're even got two weeks, two weeks out of a year when we must spend together. It's like, well, yeah, spend That's, as much time as you can together. Yeah. And influence it as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Not yeah. hope for a couple of magic moments to right. show up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, th- I remember one of my English teachers was saying one time that, uh, who, who do you think, um, you, your parent, who, who do you think you're getting your, the most influence from? Mm. And, 
And we're like, oh, our parents. And she's like, no. She's like, you're with teachers. You're with everybody else. So um, your your parents are getting like 20% of the influence on the kids. And so the more like the more time you spend with them all the time, you know, that's that's going to be 10 times better than a two-week-long vacation once a year. So yeah. something like that. Well, I, I wanted to talk with you a little bit about how your faith has evolved over the years, Reed, because... And, and we can talk as a panel here too, um, as, as this applies to us, but you know, you, you were called as a Bishop, uh, actually this is appropriate because about five years ago, right? <laughs> so <laughs> he's punching out and you're, you know, I, I know you pretty well as a person who has a variety of interests and things that you like to do. And, and there are things that you're juggling as far as managing your time. <laughs> I just I, I wanted to talk with you more about because some things we've discussed is that you you try to trust in God more you try to see His hand in your life differently than you used to. Just unpack that more for me. Tell me more about what the last few years have been like. Well, that's that's kind of the I, I think that's every everybody every man called him a bishop is going to have to assess his life because he looks in the first song like well, me bishop. <laughs> they, they, made a, they made a big mistake. And so you then go through and you look at your life and say, okay, what am I doing? And how am I going to do this right? And for me, that's that's a little different in the sense that, that, that is maybe for others. But I would assume that every man who is called to be a bishop wants more than anything to do it the Lord's way. Yeah. You know, but it, I've seen other people. I've, I've been in, I think, four or five bishoprics. And about 20 years as a counselor on and off, and 30 years as a scoutmaster himself. So, so I've had some great experience with with different styles of lead, of leaders. And uh, uh, what I've learned is, is that it works when you get dialed into how Heavenly Father wants it to be, and then you just stick with that. And that doesn't mean you don't utilize your own unique qualities or characteristics. I'll call it baggage. I believe people are born with baggage in both hands some of it's good and some of it's really crappy and you have to discern <laughs> what the crappy baggage is and chuck it mm-hmm. and hang on to the good stuff where you acquire more good baggage and more of those things that are rocks and kind of in the, in the cubby jar mm-hmm. you know the big rocks and you put those in, in place when they're supposed to be and uh, probably more than anything is is trying to uh, get the holy ghost to be an integral part of your life. We were taught by an institute director a long time ago. I mean, when you guys were talking about 40, I was going, 40? Wow, 40? That's 30 years ago. (laughs) I don't even remember what 40 feels like. But he he taught teaching condition yourself to hear the hauntings in a still small voice. And I think that's the, the most important thing anybody can do, but any bishop can do, which is trying to get yourself in alignment to where you can hear and feel and sense the promptings of the Holy Ghost trying to inspire you and guide and direct you. And that is a constant daily, I'll call it a battle, because there's so much crap out there that's getting in the way of it. And so many things are distractions. And so how do you how do you do that? And so um one of the things that you mentioned like earlier on is is spending more time in prayer. Yeah. And for me, I go walking every morning to do two miles and I'm the babble as I said, I'm the babbling walker. And so you see this guy at five, five o'clock in the morning going down the street, and it's me talking out loud, having a conversation with God, because um, the institute director also said, he said, if you will increase your prayers to an hour a day, 
it would be life-changing. And one of the students said, do you do that? And he goes, oh, well, no, I haven't done that yet. <laughs> and he said, I, I, I've got I'm good authority. It will change your life. And he said he finally had to do it. Well, I've done that, and all I can say is it's opened me up to so much information and guidance and direction that I've ever had in my life that it's that's I would just recommend that to anybody, whether you're a bishop or not, is just have communication with your Heavenly Father about an hour a day, and you'll talk to Him differently, you'll listen to Him differently, you'll hear things, you'll see things, and that's uh, that's an important thing, is seeing things. I've experienced His influence in my life and seen things around me that are such evidence of Him and His love for His children that I think that will change you. I, I believe we change to change, you have to go through three things. Number one, you have to feel differently. And when you feel differently, you think differently. And when you think differently, you act differently. But what changes how you feel? The only thing that changes how you feel is the Holy Ghost. That's where that comes from. Yeah. That changes your feelings. And so your perspective that's tweaked at a feeling level, it tweaks your, your thinking level, and that tweaks your behavior. I can act too. Yeah, I, that's the gospel according to me. That, I like it. Nice. I like it a lot. And I'm going to put uh, Joel on the spot in a second and and ask you about you know how your dad's maybe changed over the years that you've noticed too, as far uh -oh. as uh -oh. I'm going to give a drink. Yeah. Uh, gonna, but, well, I mean, I think he kind of threw it out there earlier where he was saying you know there are certain shows or the thing activities that he. Uh, condemned and my now looks back yeah. that, that's a huge <laughs> thing where whether it's today's society that now is making look and go okay it wasn't that bad or or if it's just uh i was a little more high strung about these things uh i yeah. see it well it, so not a member since i was a teenager i still look back and can see that he was trying to set an example for something that was say the simpsons so the simpsons come out of very popular everyone's loving it he's not sure that's right for the family uh it wasn't that he condemned it it just was something that he knew how he wanted to raise us and i think we as kids probably like a little bit of grief but um, <laughs> I, watched I watched it when they went to bed yeah but, but had to have seen that he was committing to the standards that he wanted to raise his family by. And I don't know when that clicked for me later on. Does that make sense? As yeah, far as, 100 as, as a kid, it was just like, okay, dad's just calling the shots and he just doesn't want to do this. Right. And that's fine. It, I didn't, I don't think we took it to the extreme that like, you know, our dad's crazy and doesn't understand the world. It, it was <laughs> at a certain point, And I would guess it was in me. 20s, uh, I, it was a lot more clear, I guess, mm. the things that he had made stands on. Um, and I, I mean, I always, I often say it, I, I get um, defensive of the church, of my parents still to this day, like where yeah. I know that they raised me in a phenomenal way uh, that is not easy. It is a lot harder to do what you guys are doing with your children than it is to be complacent, compliant to what the world is suggesting. And what the world's suggesting is from people that were able to kind of flow through life in those early years without that kind of structure, support, and stability. 
And so I appreciate it. I appreciate it all the time. I couldn't do it but right now. If I just jumped right into it, like I do things differently, but I, the standards that they set were rock hard. They were consistent. And so, yeah, at a certain point I saw him always saw him growing, but uh, I saw him relaxing on some of the things that were kind of tough and big and in your face at the time. And now there are the new things that, that he's paying attention to the same way, but the different, a different set of worries, concerns, and things like that. And then also he's, you know, the, the bishop of a ward like yourself, where you're doing some, some evaluation of all of these things that are, you're, you're doing some study and you're, you're a student of the world in a different way, because you are going to have, you know, six kids. We've got a much higher odd of uh, odds of having an alcoholic, a drug addict, a death in the family, all those things. Well, then you take a congregation. Those are all things that you need to try to be prepared for when someone comes and sits on the other side of your desk and needs help with something you've never considered, you know? Um, and so I appreciate that, that, that he's, um, he dove in in the years he had to dive in and now he's diving into something else. That's related much to me. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I took a lot away from that too, Joel, as far as, you know, I, I think that even, you know, and interestingly, whether we go to the same church or not, you know, even if we do, we still have different degrees of faith, right. you know, we're, none of us are the same. Me and my wife aren't the same. You know, we're, we're living in an interfaith marriage, even though we go to the same church. And I think that it's, it's just, a, it's a fact, you know? And so being able to appreciate, I think that about your dad too, just as far as, you know, he's, he's living by a certain, he's living by certain morals in his life. And also I think just with you, Reed, what I've noticed just hearing from Joel is that there are certain things that you really drew a hard line on that you let go. And I think part of that is that you know that the morals that you live by dictate that you should let those things go and that your relationship with your kids is more important, you know, than drawing a hard line on certain yeah. things. When you're in the middle of it, it's a panic. <laughs> yeah. You do, you see things yeah. happening, and it's like, ah, <laughs> people are going to die, hustle on fire kind yeah. of stuff, and, and you just, you, it's it's scary. And I mean, you're there right now, Josh, where with mm -hmm. young kids, um, like I said, to be a child in this day and age is a, a, a parent's view, or I'll say grandparents' view, mm -hmm. which is so much wiser, <laughs> which, which is so much removed also at the same time. Right. It's super scary because you let go, I know what you should do, you need to do it this way, but but that's that's not accepted even in society anymore. I mean, right. certain things. Yeah. And then also to look at it as a, as a parent, as, as a uh, a child to just fall into all the things that are uh, available for you to do, mm -hmm. and just to say, "Man, my parents are nuts." What is it? <laughs> right? Because I, I know I'm pretty sure my kids felt that way about us. They were, it was like, God, you know, the church wants this and that, and you're doing this, and Dad's off to a meeting, and Mom's doing this, and blah blah blah, and, you know. And I just want to grow up and be a kid, you know. Right. I just want to be a kid, and I get that, and and we're sometimes approaching it from the. Yeah, a fear factor of like, what you know, if we make a mistake here, they're gone. They're, this is going to cripple them forever. And so, and in some cases, that's true. But in like Joel said, the most important thing: is what what hill are you going to die in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Know, where, what battle is worth fighting? And do they know they do they know I love them? 
Yeah, you know, and, I, I, and that's the core to everything is, is the, and that's I guess one thing you got to say yeah, you got to learn is I love you. I want you to be happy. I know what you're doing isn't making you happy right now, or won't be, or whatever. It's your decision. I know. I know. I'm here. I'm here to support you in all the good things you want to do. If you want to kill yourself, I don't want that to happen. But I can't stop that either from happening. Right. You know. But I, but I'm, but I'm here. You know, for you and. And I and I think love, which we were learning today in, at church, and is that you know love has to trump everything. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And I think that's that's what I've learned to admire about you guys. Just you know, bringing a little context in here. You know, we play golf pretty often, and Joel's part of that. And I, what I appreciate about you guys is there is that love and respect. And even though you guys don't agree on everything, and and you don't agree on some big things, right? Like a nine hour. You say, where's the, the golf coming in here? <laughs> <laughs> but you respect that Joel is a good man and he's a good father. And, and that, you know, that, that trumps so much of that little stuff. I, I was just thinking on that topic, you know, we were talking about how we've changed in our faith practice and stuff like that. You know, for me personally, uh, entering 40, it, it used to be so much the rules like the seminary answers I have to, you know, read. X amount of scriptures. I have to know certain things by heart. I have to check all the boxes. And I think for me, going along the topic of your extended prayers, for me, it's like, I have to, you know, those are all, if we use the phone analogy again, those are all software updates. I need to get the hardware update, <laughs> right? <laughs> and so for me, the hardware update is like letting God love me, you know, and it's, it's learning to love God. And, and that's where extended prayers come in for me too, is, is I spend very little time focusing on things that God needs to do for me, you know, or honestly, you know, I, I think I'd, I've decided to dedicate more time to letting God know that I love him and learning to do that and letting him love me when I need him to. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, well, that's, that's how I'm that's changing. Huge. It was your so, it's so important to do that way. And uh, gratitude, I'd say, is probably one of the more uh, encompassing areas of prayer, I would say. is gratitude for identifying and notifying those things, letting him know how blessed you are in this life. Well, it has huge dividends in the sense that you see more, you realize more, you're more gr grateful, and he gives you more. And, and not, I'm not doing it for, for get, getting more. I am an ultimately greedy person in the sense that I, f that I feel that the gospel is true, that the plan is correct, and that I want everything that he promised us to yeah. have. And, and I'm in it for that. But, but I'm also in it because it's true. Not, not, I mean, the Savior is the Savior, and I need everything that he offers. But on, on the other hand, too, if there's, if there's something to be had from this, it's going to be wonderful and marvelous. I want it for me and my family. We hope you enjoyed the first half of this Who We're Becoming episode with Joel and Lee Stockwell. And we also hope that you come and join us for the second half later. Later.